Welcome back to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined us as we speak about the good news of Jesus Christ, part one. You know, we often throw that term around quite a bit, good news, right? The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, that's another word for good news. Yeah, but what is that good news? What's the core of the gospel? If you had to boil it down, summarize it, ultimately, there's four parts to what we call the kerygma. The kerygma means literally the kernel, kind of the, the centerpiece of the gospel, just in a seed form. And these four parts are so important for us to internalize deep within our souls. Because as Catholics, we have a lot of different uh, extraneous things in our faith. We've got saints and relics. We've got feast days and traditions. We've got this and that. And yet, it's so often, to be di- it's so often easy to be distracted by some of the externals and miss the very heart of what we believe and of this good news, this freeing news that Jesus Christ came to give us. I think especially a lot of times we talk about our response a lot, right? Morality, prayer, and all of that's good, but we have to remember that's a response to what God has first done for us. And this is the kerygma. This is the good news, is that God took the initiative. So as I mentioned, there are four parts to this kerygma. In this talk, we're going to talk about the first and the second parts of this good news of Jesus Christ, what he's done and why it's so important. So first, the good news is this, God loves us, full stop. And I know that kind of seems so trite, you know, okay, God loves us, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, God doesn't love just humanity in general as if it was just kind of like one corporate entity. Rather, he loves you personally, passionately, infinitely. Yes, he knows your past. Yes, he knows your weaknesses. And he still chooses you as an object of love. Consider this for a moment. If God is love, then everything he must do must flow from love. It's impossible for God to not love. The very nature of who he is is to love. And so the very fact that you exist means that you were loved into existence. God, who is perfect, does not make junk. Yes, we can mess up our lives, but nevertheless, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us for the mess necessarily. He sees us for who he created us to be in his image and likeness and for the potential of glory that all of us contain within our souls. I must admit, I didn't fully understand this until I really watched my sister with her first child. And it's amazing when you see a parent with their child, how that unconditional love is shown so beautifully. So my sister gave birth to Luke about five years ago. And when Luke was a baby, there's very little that he could do, right? He cries, he makes a mess in his diaper, he eats, he sleeps. That's pretty much it. So Luke can't do anything that we would often consider loving, right? He can't do acts of service. He can't say a kind word to his mother. He can't make her a Mother's Day card or give her a gift or anything like that. Literally, all he does is just simply receive, receive, receive all of her love. But guess what? My sister was completely smitten by him. He was the object of all of her affection, all of her love, not because of anything he had done, because he was helpless, but rather simply because he was hers. He was her offspring. And that was enough for her to pour out that lavish love upon him. And so that's something we as Catholics have got to interiorize a great deal, that we are not loved because of what we can do. We are not loved because of our virtue. We are not loved because of our talents. We are loved simply because we are his. And that means that nothing can change or shake that fact, right? Because we could potentially 
lose the state of grace. We could potentially lose our gifts and talents if we get very ill or perhaps uh, you know lose our minds when we get older. Whatever it is, we could kind of destroy our entire lives. Would that lessen God's love for us? No, it wouldn't. God's love for each human being is infinite because when God loves, he pours his entire self to us. Now, yes, certainly, those who are saints can, be contain, can contain God more. Those who are in the state of grace have God literally dwelling within them. But God desires all of our good. And ultimately, that's what love is. Love is willing the good of the other. And so at every moment, God is willing your greatest good. In other words, he wants you to be fully alive. In fact, that was what St. Irenaeus once said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. That's what he wants for you. Now, we have to understand that that's what he wants because sometimes we think, well, God, you don't love me because I'm suffering. You don't love me because life didn't go my way or because this bad thing happened. No, my friends, God did not love you so that he gives you an easy life. God's love does not mean that everything's going to be perfect. God loves you and he's going to bring good out of whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself in. And I think sometimes we struggle with that. We struggle with realizing that he is pursuing our hearts first. That everything we do is a response to his infinite love for us. So that's the first piece of the good news, that God loves us. The second piece, though, of the kerygma, of that good news, that kernel, that core of the gospel, is actually bad news. And that is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin is the cause of misery and unhappiness. So when I was a teen, I used to go to this place called Catholic Family Land, which was a great place, although the name was a little bit cringy. I couldn't really tell my friends where I was going on vacation, you know, going to Catholic Family Land. They'd be like, Catholic Disneyland? No, 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 Catholic Family Land. It was a great place. And they had this, this theme that really kind of resonated with me. And they said that sin is the cause of all unhappiness in the world. And I thought that's very true. Really, the cause of all unhappiness is sin. But what is sin? Well, sin, ultimately, the word in Greek is hamartia, which literally means missing the mark. It's an archery term when you're shooting at the target and you fall short. And what's the target? The target is to be like Christ. And that's why, you know, when we look around, we can't say, well, at least I'm better than that guy. Well, that's maybe true, but at least we're, you know, we're not as good as Christ. And that's the goal is to become like him. And so all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us have seen how sin leads to misery. And we think about the way in which we've suffered because of our own sins, maybe an addiction that we're struggling with, maybe a broken relationship that we had a big part in. We also suffer because of other people's sins, when they sin against us, when they call us names or bully us or abuse us in any way, shape, or form. Maybe just the brokenness in the world that we find. You know, certainly suffering comes because of original sin, which brought death and sickness into the world. And so, Suffering and suffering and sin are intimately related. And so when we sin, we bring misery down upon ourselves. And that's why, this, that's why it's the second part of the good news is that we need a solution to the sin. You know, I think deep within our hearts, there's two deep desires that all of us have. I think the first desire is to be loved. We want to know that we are cherished as a human being. You know, I remember... A few years ago, I had the privilege of going to, uh, to Scotland with a wonderful family that I know. And their son, Sam, was in fifth grade at the time. And Sam was kind of, he was the sixth of seven kids. And so he was kind of the one that was often forgotten. 
Like everybody paid attention to the older three. They were kind of, they were, uh, you know, in college or just out of college and really living the dream. And then he had a brother that was in high school and his youngest brother was a very cute little kid who had Down syndrome. So everyone paid a lot of attention to him and nobody really paid much attention to Sam. So I remember when we were one night after dinner, Sam turns to me and he's like, I want to show you something in the backyard. I was like, okay, let's go. So Sam and I go to the backyard of this little house that we were renting and I get out there and I say, okay, Sam, what do you want to show me? And he's looking around and I could tell that he's thinking, wait, now I actually have to show him something. And he's like, uh, let's go look in the shed. So we go look in the shed and there's nothing in the shed, just a bunch of cobwebs. And he's like, uh, let's go look over the fence. And we go look over the fence and it's just a yard full of weeds, you know, nothing significant. And I'm like, Sam, Sam, what are we doing here? Let's just go inside. Like we're going to have dessert soon, soon. But he said, no, 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 let's go uh, down to the basement. So we go down to the basement and the cellar and there's nothing down there either. And I'm like, Sam, come on, let's just go for dessert, right? So we go up and he's like, fine, okay, okay. So we go up for dessert. And afterwards, that night, as everyone else went to bed, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, why is it that Sam wanted to take me outside and show me nothing? Really, I mean, there was nothing to see. And I realized it wasn't about seeing anything. Sam wanted some attention. He wanted some love because that's the deep desire of every human heart. We want to know that we are loved, that we are cherished, that we're not just forgotten, not just a number or a cog in a wheel, but that we are truly cherished. And so if love is one of the deep desires of the human heart, then to sin means to go against that deep desire. To sin is instead of loving another is to be selfish, is to take instead of give, is to use instead of treat with dignity and respect. And so sin ruptures one of the deep desires that we have in our human heart. It fills us with counterfeit happiness, counterfeit love, rather than the authentic kind. But I think another deep desire that we have in our human heart is the desire for meaning and purpose in our life. You know, I love the example of Viktor Frankl, who was a a German Jewish psychologist who was taken into Auschwitz uh, in the prison camps in, in World War II. And of course, those who were healthy enough were not put to death, but rather put on work detail. And so he was had to go and try to uh, build this railroad or a ditch or something in order to, to keep the German army move, mobile and moving. And it was, it was exhausting work because they were working 12, 14, 16 hours a day, very little sleep, very little food. It was completely very inhumane. And one day he was walking out, you know, two by two in the line and he was just dragging his pickaxe or his shovel behind him. He's so exhausted. He just wants to fall down and give up, give up hope. And then all of a sudden the man next to him in line starts to chuckle. And Victor turns to him and is like, what in the world is so funny? We're here in Auschwitz. And the man looked up to the sky and said, you know, if only our wives could see us now. And Victor thought, yeah, my wife, I love my wife. I can endure this for my wife. And that thought gave him the strength to get through that day and the next day and the next week and the next month until finally he was released at the end of World War II. And he wrote a very famous book called Man's Search for Meaning, in which he said that human beings can endure anything if we have a meaning, a a purpose, a reason for it. And the deep desire of every human heart then for meaning is a desire to know that our life is all about a purpose. And what is that purpose? To know, love, and serve God in this world so we can be eternally happy with him in the next world. I truly, genuinely believe that the reason why people go through midlife crises is because we achieve all our goals and we have no more purpose for our life, right? Because when we're little, you know, our goal is to get good grades in school. And then our goal is to get into a good college, maybe win a sports trophy or a tournament or something. Then our goal is to get married, 
Our goal is to get a good job. Our goal is to settle down, buy a house, have a nice picket fence and a couple kids and and a dog and and a minivan. These are our goals. And then we hit 45, 50 years old, and we realize that everything we've been striving for, we've now achieved. And the question is, what's next? The question is, what's the meaning and purpose in my life? Because now I have no more goals to strive for. Is it just continue living on the, the hamster wheel of just every day getting up, going to work, and just a meaningless existence as a, as a cog in some machine? No. The truth is our hearts yearn for meaning and purpose as if there's something greater out there, and it, there is. And the purpose is to become holy, to become a saint. So if that's the purpose of our life, then when we sin, we act against that purpose. So you see how these two deep desires of the human heart, the desire for love and the desire for meaning and purpose, are thwarted when we sin. And that ultimately is why sin is the cause of all misery and unhappiness in the world, because we desire these deep uh, things of love and meaning, and yet to sin is to turn our backs on that, and to turn our backs ultimately on God, who is the source of all life, all joy, and all happiness in the universe. So we've begun our journey through the kerygma. Kerygma begins with the fact that we are loved into existence by God who knows us and loves us infinitely. But the sad part is we have sinned, and now we need a solution. Stay tuned next time to find out what that solution is and how we live it out. 